Welcome to Building Home, an expat podcast with me, Anaya Richard Scalione. Get comfortable. I hope you'll stay a while. My first guest on this podcast is my cousin Claude Grant. His sense of travel and wanderlust has always been a huge inspiration for me, as has his talent and success in both the fashion and interior design worlds, and his willingness to step away from what's not working for his soul. In our big, extremely loving West Indian family, we both grew up with a very specific idea of what making it is, and a strong idea of what the American dream was or is. Doctors, lawyers, engineers, go into insurance, be a teacher, choose lucrative and or stable professions. Even better, a profession that they could brag about. My daughter's a doctor. Within this family framework, we were both blessed with our favorite cousins, do you moms. Be the best at what you choose to do, but it's okay if your path is a little less direct. Both beamed as we got industry accolades and maybe took a little pride and mischievous pleasure in high-minded, convoluted explanations to other family members about what we actually did for work. My mom, yeah, 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 I'm going to the White House with Anaya this week. (laughs) So again, on paper, Claude's making it, living his best expat life, multiple passports, a career working remotely, a beautiful partner, and that charm that indescribable ability that he has to make friends, a community, wherever he goes. Claude can always be counted on for moments of self-reflection, assessment, and these were some of the moments I wanted to share with you. We get into our family's idea of the American dream and ours. My family came from Jamaica to New York, not just lured by the abstract idea of American dream, but seeing it in a very concrete way in the West Indian immigrant community. Same with our family in Toronto and London. There was a blueprint of community. These thriving immigrant communities in these metropolis formed safety nets for their countrymen, from pardon the money to churches to domino games, even mahjong. Claude and I are both, by definition, third culture kids, but strongly hold on to the part that makes us so West Indian. When Michele does something that makes my family belly laugh, we're usually comparing him to an elder Jamaican man. Shameless plug. Check out Michele and my podcast, Do You Guys, where we compare Jamaicans and Italians. I'll link to it in the show notes. Merriam-Webster succinctly defines third culture kids as, quote, a child who grows up in a culture different from the one in which his or her parents grew up, end quote. Miriam goes on to say, the third culture kid attracted notice in recent years as one member of that category rose to particular prominence. Having been born in Hawaii and spent a formative part of his childhood in Indonesia as the son of an American mother and Kenyan father, former U.S. President Barack Obama qualifies as perhaps the world's highest profile third culture quid, end quote. I really like how they form that sentence. In the same article, Merriam-Webster references Nick Vucci of the Vancouver Sun. This was in the 90s. He said, third culture kids have a unique place in any society to which they belong. Theirs is a confusing and quite often debilitative condition that they are, conf- they are confronted with cultural walls or pitfalls at every turn, unable to completely relate to their parents' culture, and yet at the same time labeled as, quote, different from the mainstream culture they are encouraged to belong to. 
They are basically cut adrift and left to float in a sort of, quote, twilight zone state. They form cultural hybrid, a blend of cultures that can be interesting, but also confusing and frustrating to them. This condition is exacerbated by growing up in a country like Canada. You'll see later quotes in that article from um, Teen Vogue and a younger generation that kind of focuses on the multiculturalism and a little less doom and gloom. <laughs> Listen, going from Crown Heights, Brooklyn to the halo walls of Trinity School were indeed inhabiting two different worlds for me. The three train was like my flu powder, no Harry Potter reference, but I luckily never felt that I was in a twilight zone state. A cultural hybrid, yes, but maybe this is what led to my affinity not only for travel, but also for pop culture. My youth was a time when you didn't have to choose between liking Nas, Lauryn Hill, and sing Britney Spears, and some 41. Carson Daly told you they were all cultural phenoms and all relevant. Anyway, I'll link to that Merriam-Webster article. It's full of great tidbits like BuzzFeed's roundup of 31 signs you're a third culture kid including you spent an absurd and probably unhealthy amount of time on airplanes and you're a food snob because you've sampled the best and most authentic of every possible cuisine. With my cousin and I being somewhat third culture kids, is travel in our DNA? Multiculturalism definitely seems to be. The Jamaican national motto is out of many, one people, based on the population's multiracial roots. With family spread out internationally, abroad wasn't an abstract thing to us growing up. Accents moved fluidly through our ears. One of my favorite stories Claude tells of my grandpa is when they were on a plane together flying from New York to Jamaica for a relative's funeral. One of my first plane memories is flying first class going to Disney World with my mom and grandma. And while we were in Florida, we visited family friends. It's that community. I always remind Michele. My grandparents came from Jamaica to New York for me to have a good life. I'll accept nothing less as I immigrate to Italy. And I don't just mean material things. I mean that rich sense of community. Boisterous, chaotic, loving, extensive. A community that heavily informs who we are. The Oxford English Dictionary defines the American dream as the ideal that every citizen of the United States should have an equal opportunity to achieve success and prosperity through hard work, determination, and initiative, end quote. In 1931, a historian named James Truzel Adams lamented that the idea of the American dream had become too material. With authoritarianism on the rise in Europe, he feared America's slipping into the same fate fueled by wealthy men overthrowing governments. He thought America had lost its way by valuing material success above all other values. Money was the value. It was not just the means to a good life. Before then, the American dream was thought to be more aligned with what we think of Martin Luther King's dream of social equality and order. It wasn't until the Second World War that it became so closely aligned with that of Horatio Alger's idea of upward mobility. You know, that bootstrap philosophy. Today, Claude and I get into all of this and the USSR, of course. <laughs> Topics like, is anti-Cussell culture anti-Jamaican? Just kidding, kinda, sorta. And listen through, he drops the most incredible gem for all of us out there on the road. His blueprint, if you will. You might hear me call him Corey, both are his names, one he uses just with family. That's how cozy we are here on Building Home. Don't worry, it's all us. I'm laughing because I'm so happy. I'm so excited. I love talking to you whenever I talk to you. 
I'm excited to introduce my first guest, my cousin, Claude Grant. He's a designer. And when I say designer, I mean in every way that you could think of. Primarily right now, a UX designer, but also an extremely talented interior designer. Like he designs those spaces that you see on Succession. The cool one of that tech bro, I mean, not like the boring older ones. (laughs) And (laughs) And a fashion designer, oh, an award winning fashion designer, I add, with his pieces featured in the coolest stores. He's definitely Michele's style inspo. And whenever I want Michele to go along with a design idea, I say, well, my cousin would like this. You should see it through Corey's eyes. (laughs) And anyway, he's amazing. And when I was creating this expat podcast, he was the first person I thought of I should speak. I thought I should speak to. He's definitely inspired some of my adventures and I hope he inspires yours. Claude Grant. Oh, thank you so much. It's good to talk to you. It's so, so good to talk to you. As I said, you are a huge inspiration to me. I know you are to so many people. And like when I thought about this podcast idea, it was our, it kind of stemmed from our family being Jamaican, their idea of the American dream and how we're kind of switching it up and doing it a little bit differently. And you kind of, you've paved the way in terms of that. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, <laughs> the American dream abroad, <laughs> living your best life. And so, one of the first things I wanted to start with was like, what does that idea even mean to you? The idea of an American dream, like, is it antiquated? Is have you changed it to do your way? Like, what does that mean? Hmm, that's a good question. Um. So that's something that I've been reading about a lot more and definitely thinking about while abroad, especially on visits back home with family. And I think in terms of the original American dream where, you know, someone can arrive in America with whatever you may have, be it big or small, and, you know, build on this and and create a comfortable and... um, does like a comfortable desirable life for yourself and your family and um if you are coming from a um a place of uh little or or small wealth change that change that fact i know i know that's been the case for um certainly members of our family and you know i'm sure friends of ours and i think that that has definitely in some ways the dynamic of that or the the efficacy of that may have changed i think over the past decade since you know my parents arrived in the United States, um, a lot less uh, members of our family have followed in the footsteps of our parents. I think um, a lot more opportunities are available elsewhere. I th- the way that um, people are that that people are received when they end up in the United States certainly has has changed. Not to say that it was ever like yeah. um, they, they were ever you know really welcoming people. I think. Um, the doors definitely do not feel quite um, as open to foreigners. And I think, and obviously that um, has, has changed um, some, you know, like some people's approach. Nevertheless, I mean, obviously there are still plenty of people who um, are trying to make that, to make that journey Um, for us who, um, or I'll speak, you know, speak for myself, like for, for myself who, you know, was the, a first generation born um, American, uh, Jamaican American. I definitely, you know, like uh, began to question whether or not my 
the idea of what would make me would lead to my happiness or my sort of American dream would be found back in New York and um, led me out to, you know, just sort of like confirm or, you know, either confirm or deny that, you know, that possibility. So mm-hmm. I've been more on a sort of like soul searching journey, like being outside of the, the country rather than looking for something in particular. I just, I felt I, I owed it to myself to sort of see what opportunities were available for me and sort of learn more about you know what life would or could be like if i would if i were to build a home and build a life outside of the states absolutely that that's so well said well where are you based right now right now i'm so for the last year i've been living in tbilisi georgia mm-hmm. which is yes it's uh, uh just northeast of turkey south of russia so interesting right now because of everything that's going on in that part of the world the war that russia's waging on ukraine in that social climate does does it feel closer to you i'm assuming yeah one of those things the maps are confusing i realized when scheduling with you i was like oh Wait, he's not on the same time zone as we are in Italy? (laughs) Oh, gosh. So does it feel imminently close or how is that over there? Definitely feels imminently close. Um, Just as a small example, there's a um, beach town, which I spent some time with um, with my girlfriend during the summer um, called Batumi. It's you know beautiful coastline on the Black Sea. Beautiful photos you took. You took beautiful photos there. It's so photogenic. Uh, it's a pebble beach uh, mount- surrounded by mountains on all sides, and and the sea on the on the nor- on the east side. I mean, sorry, the west side. Someone was, you know, spending some time on the beach. It's, the climate's pretty temperate there because of the the mountains. It keeps the the so people, you know, tend to spend time outside even in winter. Mm-hmm. And someone was filming um, the waves on the beach, and a a mine exploded. Um, oh my and- gosh. And, you know, thank God, just because of the the time of year, there was no one in the water. But, you know, mm-hmm. it's, uh, you know, had that been, you know, a couple of months ago, that could have yeah. easily have um, been a catastrophe. There are definitely um, reminders of how close it is like that. Um, there are other ways that it shows that it's close. There's because of Russia's strained relationship with with uh, Georgia, that they, they occupy about 20% of Georgia right now. And mm-hmm. also because of its proximity to Russia, there are over a million fo- like folks from Russia who have you know fled Russia to escape the draft. And also people who had come prior to this just because of uh, the sanctions and the way- the effects that it was having on on their lives. So the, the fact that I'm that I'm a lot closer to to this conflict is is visible every day. You know, there are folks who my girlfriend happens to be a Russian citizen and anti-war graffiti everywhere. There are people who, you know, sort of um treat her, you know, are are not happy to 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 see or hear her accent here. So yes, it, it's something that it's very it's very palpable. That's so I yeah, you told us some of those stories over the holidays and that broke my heart. It really is crazy. Um, and also, you know, a reminder, like not to blanket statement, things like Russians do this and, you know, like that kind of stuff. Um, what was it like for you being an, being an American there? Uh, cause, because something that I feel like a lot of Americans think that everyone wants to come to America (laughs) and, and we do have in New York, we have a huge Georgian population, um, how do they receive you being American, being Black American? Um, yeah, I think that a lot of people think, oh, well, 
they definitely want to get their green card or this. And some people don't <laughs> don't want to. Some people are really chill with where they are. <laughs> 100% true. I think um, there, so it is a it is a pretty broad range. There are some folks who are by and large, most people are just genuinely interested um, mm-hmm. to hear what America is like, particularly hearing that, you know, um, I'm, you know, that I'm from New York. Um, I think mm. questions tend to sh- uh, come up more, I think, about New York and and life in New York than necessarily about the United States in general, um, which is, you know, always fun. You know, we're proud New Yorkers, despite wherever we're, you know, call, you know calling home at the moment. It you know, gives me a little pride to talk about it. And it's always nice to hear that people are interested in, you know, where you happen to come from. That said, the response that I get for being, you know, an American and, and I think more often a Black American really differs, you know, depending on more than anything, depending on the age of the of of the person who um, I happen to be around in Georgia. You know, people are by and large incredibly hospitable. Um, I can't state that enough. um, How hospitable, how much hospitality I felt um, from people here. um, It's there's a you know that's the main reason why I've you know been happy to call Georgia home for the last year. That said, um, I've experienced more um, overt racism in uh, my last year here than I have in the last maybe 10 years of my life. And this particularly comes from the older, you know, population, um, Mm -hmm. folks who grew up, you know, who grew up in our familiar and and sometimes um, missing the Soviet era when Georgia was more of a, uh, was it was a different country. Um, Like I had been spat at him. You know, have uh, have you know, had Georgian friends who have you know sort of reacted negatively to um, nasty comments that were made that I you know you didn't um, understand. I didn't understand. I mean, uh, you know, you can always feel when you know mm-hmm. when has 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 taken a turn and has turned nasty. Ignorance, you know, sort of you know prevents you from thinking too deeply into it. But yes, um, unfortunately, you know, my my thoughts were were proved true in in some cases. Oh, that's, uh, I'm sorry to hear that. And I could believe it, you know, anywhere you go, it's not, it's not a surprise. It's always an unwelcome thing. It's not never like a reflection of the population. You take each instance as it comes, but it's always still hard, hard to hear that for sure. Absolutely. Kind of going back with what we were talking about at the beginning, the American dream and how it's a little bit different now. Um, And especially from our, even our parents' generation, uh, what do you think hustle culture and kind of the anti-hustle culture, do you think that runs into conflict with it now? Because, you know, that joke with Jamaicans always having like 10 jobs. <laughs> like, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> we are definitely one of those. <laughs> so true. <laughs> <laughs> so, but there's this huge anti-hustle culture movement and it's like, no, I really like my work ethic. It was definitely taught to us and we saw it in our parents. <laughs> in our grandparents and everyone and it's something we take pride in but there's this whole like live your best life anti-hustle culture movement so how do you balance that because that's something that I'm definitely figuring out here in Italy. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, that's that I mean that's the tough one though isn't it I mean um I we I mean no stranger to hard work obviously um you know it it runs in our veins it's sort of <laughs> uh, but um at the same time yes I mean it, it the 
you know, the there's there's definitely a, a level of um, of hustle that is expected from someone, you know, by from birth, particularly, again, using, you know, my own experience, you know, growing up in New York, um, mm -hmm. you work more, you work hard, you work, you work incredibly long hours, and you play hard at, in the short period of time that, you know, you have allotted for a bit of, bit of downtime. And um, I think that's one of the things that I actually became addicted to being outside of the States is how less of a expectation it is to have work be the the driving you know focus of of every week of 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 life mm -hmm. um you know it's i you know i sort of experienced like a feeling of being able to breathe and that turned i sort of you know after spending maybe my first month abroad came back home and realized just how quickly it dissipated and i ended up being the same person that i had been um for that that month and after taking you know uh, you know stepping away from from new york and spending more time abroad realized that i liked i i liked myself better when i when i when i when i was um a, like sort of not pro, not not necessarily not i mean working hard obviously you know um but but not necessarily but also being able, exactly finding more balance and being able to um really unplug when you know when when i wasn't you know when i wasn't needing to work absolutely and and not imposing that on people <laughs> yes, exactly <laughs> and, and, and not having it being imposed on on me <laughs> exactly exactly and i find myself that's like i check myself doing that um Mikhail is a hard worker and then he'll say something like well that she should be working right now instead of busy sending this text and is she so I have to like train myself out of that for sure, <laughs> for sure. I know how that goes yeah you're like mm -hmm. you seem like you have time on your hands <laughs> and I think <laughs> it's a West Indian thing but it's also a New York thing too <laughs> so sure. it's that sure. so it's the it's both of those that lead you to be just hy <laughs> hyperactive very hyperactive in that and so you said do you remember that first place when you said it was a month and you got into the culture and and then you came back do you remember that first place that you went abroad and you, you know it kind of changed your lifestyle habits yes yes that was definitely Merida Mexico um, oh yeah yes yes my my first and probably still greatest love abroad um yes I had nothing but positive positive experiences there and that's the sort of that was the the, oh, that was the first place that sort of uh, that I ventured to outside of New York and mm -hmm. sort of got the got the bug to continue going forward. What was what did you love about it? Why was it like your favorite place still to this day? Because you still talk about going back there. So I know. Yes. It, well, it's it's the weather is, is you know, idyllic and mm -hmm. the the food is fantastic. It's, you know, the capital city of the Yucatan. The, the one one thing that I, you know, definitely enjoyed leaving um you know, some less than you know perfect experiences that the the previous year in in Brooklyn and in Manhattan um how how safe it was mm -hmm. you know like to leave the house and you know um, go out come back home at you know say one or two o'clock in the night and there are you know older women walking their dogs oh and wow yes, it is it is an incredibly safe place, um, you know, and it shows by the way that people live. And mm -hmm. it's having sort of being able to 
even further let your guard down is you know helps you to relax helps you to feel comfortable and you know it was addicting you know it, it you know to to have one other aspect of life where you're not necessarily needing to be you know at on on full guard um you know is is something that makes you feel happier in the in you know in an overall sense and um that was one of the the, the you know the big aspects not to, and aside from this you know merida is you know is it's a cultural city because mm -hmm. of its um, its history as you know a former Mayan capital. There are a lot of you know um, uh, cultural sites you know scattered around the city, and it's twenty minutes from the ocean, which is you know a big plus for me. Is you know I'm a water that's baby. Amazing, yeah, that's so cool. Yeah, you make me want to go there right now. I'm like ready. <laughs> I'm like, where are we going? <laughs> and, it's up. And how do you decide um, what's what's next for you? Is it like work? What what drives you to decide places? Because I know you usually float some ideas by me. What you're thinking of, where you're thinking about going, and how do you get them in your head? Because it's always like fun surprises and places that I've had in the back of my head, and I'm like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been wanting to go to Georgia or yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been wanting to go to like that part of Sicily. So how, how do you think about these ideas? How do you come up with well, what's next? What's next? Well, um, now I think initially, like when I, when I ventured outside of, of Mexico and Merida specifically, um, the main driver was really, this was happening. This also was happening during the pandemic. So oh, yeah. um during that time, what drove what drove me, you know, um, was mostly just trying to stay ahead of, um, you know, lockdowns, um, mm -hmm. uh, times of, of surges in 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 um, tr in transmission of of COVID. Um, there was a time when I left Mexico. Um, there was they were you know looking at a their first lockdown and it ended up being you know pretty extreme. Mm -hmm. I you know was vaccinated. A lot of um, the citizens of Merida were not at that time, and I you know just thought it was a good time for me to to move on. And yeah. so you know the you know parameters you know when you know you have so many options available you know working remotely. Um, you know, any parameters help <laughs> and it makes, yeah. and it makes decisions a lot easier. Um, so I, you know, would, you know, constantly, you know, check the, um, the embassy, you know, alerts to find out, you know, which ports were actually open, how, um, you know, how, you know, the COVID response was happening and, and what life necessarily would be like, just strictly under, you know, um, response to the pandemic at the time in whatever, um, whatever location I was considering. And then choose from, you know, from from the options that I had, which at the time were, you know, somewhat limited. I'm also um, in, in a way penned into a, you know, certain um, the t certain like certain time zones just because of my need to, to get on calls with with the office. So um, that said, um, my you know, my options weren't quite as broad as they are now. And I would choose from. Um, what I read and, and what sounded like it fit my, you know, my, my lifestyle or my interests at the time. And, you know, we try to see as much as, as I could. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I'm noticing that when you're saying like starting this time abroad, do you not consider your time in London as abroad? I do 
Yes, I do. Okay. That, I mean, that, that, <laughs> <laughs> yes, um, that that definitely did count. Although you know, it was a um, that was you know in you know while you know while living. Actually, no, that that definitely would count. I don't know. Somehow, London feels so much like home. It doesn't. I tend yeah. to forget that that also counts as being abroad as well. Yeah, you were living there for a bit. You were living there. Yes, for... it was actually three years. Wow. You know, I can say that London fits so you know so seamlessly into. That time in London fits so seamlessly into like the way I live. I moved there, um, you know, in 2015. Um, wow. I was with my partner at the time. We, you know, you, you of course know. I mean, we have you know a good deal of family there, and yeah. um, I, I'd gone to um, spent two years in in university there, so had you know a you know small group of friends. So. Um, it's it's almost something that I forget that also would you know count as a brother. But yeah, in, in in a lot of ways, it it also felt so much like home. It it sort of blends into you know my my life. That's true. That's true. But yeah, it definitely counts as living abroad, and you made like a proper life for yourself there. I feel like you know your crew there was really lovely remember cousin ryan <laughs> his, oh, yeah. his life was... changed right after that too in a cool way yeah. absolutely absolutely yeah. yeah and then so going back to like what you were saying being driven by covid um and those places one of the places that you lived abroad during the pandemic was turkey how was how was that did you go to where the earth, where the earthquake recently happened during your travels there no, I've okay. I've never been my time in Turkey. I've only um had the chance to visit. I've spent I was living in Istanbul at the at the time and mm-hmm. have only spent time aside from Istanbul in Antalya, which is on the southern coast. Okay. Um, yeah, so um no, have not been to any of the affected uh places, which yeah, was was really devastating. And how was it being living abroad in Turkey during the pandemic or living abroad anywhere during the pandemic when uh, you're isolated. One of the big things anywhere, whether you're home, abroad, is that feeling of isolation, the social isolation of it all. And then top that with being in a new place. How how did you cope with that? Well, it's uh, well, Istanbul in Turkey was the only place aside from New York that I lived uh, under um, lockdown. Okay. So when I when I initially arrived in Istanbul, um, the, you know, every, you know, everything was for the most part open. Um, that lasted for about two or maybe three months before um, COVID transactions started to, you know, rapidly rise, and mm-hmm. they began began locking down, locking things down first on weekends, and then curfews during the day, and then things just continued to get more and more extreme. Um, you know, I was lucky; I managed to meet. And um, some great people who are still, you know, close friends that I speak to on a daily basis. Um, unfortunately, you know, that, you know, like we, you know, we stopped, you know, seeing each other, particularly because of how strict uh, Turkey's uh, rules were for um, being on streets, particularly on weekends or after hours when, you know, one would have the chance to, yeah. you know, after work you know to see friends um for for uh turkish citizens so many of like my my turkish friends were not able to leave the house and you know i would as a result stay you know stay inside or you know have a walk on a on an empty street by myself it was it was definitely it de- definitely felt some isolation and and um didn't make um did return to istanbul 
uh, the following year after, like I ended up leaving Istanbul earlier than I had uh, anticipated because mm -hmm. of that, just because of um, being, you know, away from home um, in a place that felt, it never felt more alien than when I was experiencing it on my own and walking streets yeah. that were empty. So it wow. was, um, it was a little bit more than I think I was prepared to, to, to push through. And you're also such a people person. I mean, one of the questions I want to ask you is advice for anyone considering living abroad and just outside looking in at you. Uh, one of the reasons I think that you've been so successful is that well, if Corey tells you he's going to be somewhere at 12, you give it until like 1230 because there is a chance he's met someone on the street has learned this whole person's life story and they were just at a stoplight together and there was a bench near the stoplight and they both just sat down they're sharing a coffee they're sharing a bagel like this happens on the regular with you so when he says like I had made some friends in Turkey he probably had been there for maybe one two days when he's made these friends and, and that is not easy for everyone not everyone is like you so what's some advice that you have for people that you know they might be a little bit more introverted or they they could be extrovert but they have never had the chance to yet that you would say like think about before moving abroad or something that like like a, a quality that you think you should try to possess or learn well I think I, I think if 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 you can to the, the thing that makes it so much fun for me is to you know consider it a completely new experience like a, a like a blank slate mm -hmm. there you I mean it, life is never for me is never more interesting than when it's like a new like sort of like present to open up and that's how I feel mm -hmm. whenever I land in a new location there's no there's no like more exciting and fun day than day one day one wow. like you you can leave your house what any street that you walk down you have no idea what it's down and it could be amazing and it could be it, I mean it could be less than that but I always leave the house expecting it to be something like that's going to blow my mind and wow. um that enthusiasm I think is you know, can, you know, people can feel it. And I, I mean, I am genuinely interested in finding out more and, um, you know, finding out about other people's lives. It's part of what I love about what I do for a living. And um, I think it just, it just, it's just a good fit, but I, but yeah, going back to what you're saying, I just, it's, you know, if, if I could give any advice, it's really just, just to enjoy the, you know, the, the discovery part of it. I think mm -hmm. that is, I mean, that's, by far my favorite part and yeah I mean I think like when when you're when you're having a good time when you're genuinely interested in where you are and what you're doing no matter how mundane it may be to you know to someone else it's you know it's something that people will you know they'll see you and they'll see you you know excited about life and pe people want to people you know like people will want to um you know be around that and then it's just up to you like um you know what you do with it absolutely that's best advice I would say people want to grab people do gravitate towards you and it must be that attitude that positive attitude about being excited about that so that's amazing advice and then the final question what are three things you think about when you hear the word home uh home well so right now home for me no matter where I am I always 
you know, think I think first thing of New York City mm -hmm. um, that always will re remain in some some way home to me in my mind. Um, I think of my mom, who um, I, is the main driver for me ever going back home. Um, God bless mom. And mm -hmm. um, and aside from this, like home, um, in a lot of ways has become like has become places where I have really you know sort of had a meaningful part of my of my life and ex and experience. I think now in a, in a way is like home also is like does um is does brings to mind Merida and oh. definitely brings to mind Istanbul. Um and home is you know home is places for me that you know have touched my life in a way that um has changed me. Mm -hmm. And you know, Georgia certainly has. Um Istanbul most definitely has and certainly Merida home is Home is a place that like sort of changes me for the better, I think. Oh, I love that. That's amazing. And yes, to Aunt Marcy being part of that. <laughs> for sure. The best. The best. Oh, oh. I love talking to you, cousin, and thank you so, so much for doing this off of your sick bed. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, thank you for thinking of me. This was this was amazing. It was oh, great to talk good. to you. And I'll fun. connect with you right after this. I'm gonna WhatsApp you right now. Thank you so much for listening. I wanted to end this with a quote from the George Bush Institute on the idea of the American dream. Quote James Drusel Adams. James Truzo Adams ended the epic of America with what he said was the perfect symbol of the American dream in action. It was not the example of the immigrant who made good, a self-made man who bootstrapped his way from poverty to power, or the iconic house with the white picket fence. For Adam, the American dream was embodied in the main reading room at the Library of Congress. It was a room that the nation had gifted to itself so that every American, quote, old and young, rich and poor, black and white, the executive and the laborer, the general and the private, the noted scholar and the schoolboy, could sit together reading at their own library provided by their own democracy. It has always seemed to me, Adams continued, to be a perfect working out in a concrete example of the American dream. The means provided by the accumulated resources of the people themselves a public intelligent enough to use them, and men of high distinction, themselves a part of the great democracy, devoting themselves to the good of the whole uncloistered. It is an image of peaceful collective, enlightened self-improvement. That is the American dream, according to the man who bequeathed us the phrase. It is an image that takes for granted the value of education, of shared knowledge and curiosity, of historical inquiry and commitment to the good of the whole. So, wanted to leave you guys with that. What do you think of the American dream? It is a concept, is it a concept that you even have thought about? What does it mean to you? I can't wait to hear from you. See you next time on Building Home, an expat podcast by me, Anaya Richards. Hey, go, go, go.